Hey, Call Shot crew. Welcome to another TLDL. Too long, didn't listen. I got the whole crew here tonight. We're going to go over uh, season one and a couple of other things for you. So to my right, I've got... This is Matt. I play Fane. This is Chad. I play Sebastian. This is Wes. I am the GM. This is Valley. I play Kit. This is Davery. I don't play out of go And who are you? Uh, and this is Adam. And I am playing Ark now. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Reveal. Everybody's stunned by the reveal. <laughs> yeah, really? So the first thing that uh, we're going to get into, we have had a lot of users commenting on all of our episodes, all of our uh, posts on Facebook and Reddit, Twitter, letting us know what we've screwed up, much like the internet does, and we absolutely love you guys for it. So the first thing we're going to talk about uh, in one of our most recent episodes, we abused the shit out of the rule for treat deadly wounds. Uh, Matt, I think you did a lot of research into that, man. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, but the research just happened like 20 minutes ago, as where it should have started maybe two months ago. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, treat deadly wounds. Uh, one of our fine listeners pointed out the fact that we should be spending an hour, not a round, to do Treat Deadly Wounds, which is completely correct. Under the actions, it says Treat Deadly Wounds takes one hour of work, whereas the other ones take around 10 minutes, eight hours, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so it also is supposed to take uh, two uses of a heal kit, which we didn't do either and i didn't huh. realize that till 20 minutes ago when i was actually reading the man you heal guys skill. owe me a lot <laughs> <laughs> we owe you almost 50 gold for a non-existent <laughs> yeah, right. healer's kit um besides that uh, it was uh, it was good that we kind of skipped over that little detail or else this show may have been over um <laughs> sendar's healing skill did actually save the party towards the end of that fight with uh spoilers uh the whale yeah, it absolutely mm-hmm. did without us being able to get that. And then, of course, Wes graciously giving us each one of our dice points back for leveling up. Right. I mean, that would have been crazy rough. But we're going to get into that here a little bit later. Speaking of spoilers, though, we better make sure everyone knows that this will be heavily full of them. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, so the big thing with this episode, we are recapping all of book one. So if you do not want to know anything about book one and you want to go into this adventure path completely spoiler free, do not listen to this. Turn it off right now. We're giving you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Spoilers ahead. I'm so glad you're still here. (laughs) (laughs) Chad, I know that uh, one of the big things that they had talked about also was days, I guess. And I I guess we had misused it a a couple of times. Can you kind of explain what that's about? Well, there were a couple of things. Um, Somebody had said at one point that it was a zero level spell, so I had unlimited uses of it. In my case, that's not actually true. Sebastian does not have it as a zero-level spell. Now, is it typically a zero-level spell for everyone else? Um, typically, yeah. You can pick it as a, a zero-level spell. Sebastian actually has it as a spell-like ability due to things I'm not going to talk about here. Okay, <laughs> so, <kinda> like, <laughs> so I can use it three times a day. Kind of like a, a sorcerer first-level power, like dragons can grow claws and stuff like that. Something like that, yes. So, so okay. basically, I, I can use it three times a day. Not unlimited like you would a normal zero level spell. I don't have it in my spell list. Okay. So that's why I was saying during that episode, I'm out of days is because I was out of days. Uh, the other thing was someone had pointed out that uh, during the whale fight, I had hit the same monster with it twice. And once they are have either been affected or have saved against it, you can't hit them again with it again for, I think it's 24 hours. A minute. Uh, is it a minute? It's Sorry. A minute. Yeah. Okay. I'd read it and then I uh, forgot that part. Um, they're completely correct. And I actually knew that, but during the course of the whale fight, I was so focused on what was going on. 
that I completely forgot that portion of the spell. Tensions were running high. I like yeah. a little. That's definitely something that's kind of weird to think about too. Like I always forget when you're in a combat situation in Pathfinder, most of the time they happen within the matter of like minutes. But when you're mm-hmm. playing, it takes like four hours. So you're like, God, that was long combat. Yeah. But then in character, it's like, oh, well, that was three minutes ago. Well, and by that point of the combat, I was running low on everything. Oh God, we all were. I mean, we were all pretty much in a bad so, place. So it was largely just a, essentially a lapse in attention is what it was. I know one of the other big things was racial spells, which kind of ties yeah. into that as well. I mean, I know, I guess it was, uh, you were using some sort of racial spell that someone else had mentioned was only for goblins. Wes, you, I know you did a lot of research into it. Can you tell us a bit about it, man? I did read a lot about it. It was a changeling only spell called So Thought. Um, I'm noticing something very interesting. Whenever we do screw up, it's always in this player's favor. <laughs> surprise surprise I play with a bunch of cheaters we're just <laughs> trying to win <laughs> that's right. well that's what you get for trying to kill us all well you know that's my job as a GM TPK baby uh-huh. so racial spells uh, they're a thing I didn't even know that was uh, something that would happen it's uh, technically written rules as written you cannot have access to that spell unless you're part of that race now, it can be GM discretion on whether or not other races actually have access to it or other things like that. And in this specific case, Sebastian has built or Chad has built Sebastian to be a very specific design. So so thought really fits in with his design of a character. So I've allowed it in this case. And moving forward, now that I know racial spells are a thing, when you choose spells, if it is a racial spell, I just want to have the option of whether or not you have that spell. And, and I think that's how most GMs would rule it. And there's a blurb uh, under racial spells that says the races try to keep them closely guarded secrets. It's not that you can't ever find them. Like if you're a uh, prepare caster or whatnot, you can maybe search, seek someone out to teach you. Or if you've got a really good reason, like you just said, somebody that's a mind, it, it's possible. It's not a given thing. It does not automatically, nobody else can have it. Correct. Well, it's kind of like with Kit, where when we come out of the uh, the quarry, and yes. she uses prestidigitation. Not necessarily something that her character would normally have. But I'm nodding vigorously. Yes. <laughs> but that's one thing Wes and I talked about was since she is like an 80-year-old character, she grew up with the gnomes, she should have had access to getting some information. And she's got this one thing. Well, she's a gnome. Because so, she's a gnome. Right. Exactly. She's right. a gnome. So she has this one gnome thing because she's a gnome. <laughs> but that was something we discussed and decided on ahead of time. And it's so. a once a day use yeah. of the prestidigitation spell. Yeah, it's Can't very minor. do a lot with it. It's really hard to break the entire session yeah. with prestidigitate, but I don't put it past you. I'm sure it will come <laughs> up later and I will regret this decision fully. Well, see, I think now what we can do is anytime we do make a mistake, we're just going to go back and retcon it as Kit used prestidigitation. <laughs> Kit's fault. Like, oh, we didn't know the rule that Sandara could would have taken 20 minutes to do that. He'll check uh, prestidigitation. She can do it in a minute. <laughs> I like that. When did prestidigitation become wish? <laughs> uh, it's last, a gnome thing. Last episode, of course. Yeah. yeah. When it started helping us out. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> when it became necessary for us to keep winning. So speaking of future mess ups, please write in. Tell us if you can. Catch us doing something crazy, something we shouldn't have been doing. Let us know. We'd love to hear it. Uh, I mean, we all love playing this game. We all love learning how it works. And there are some 
very, very specific rules. And a lot of times, I mean, we're all humans. We're all players. We miss them. And sometimes we miss them on purpose. So that way we win. <laughs> or sometimes it's something we've discussed ahead of time, but haven't told the listeners. Yeah. Sometimes and told it, the players. it makes sense behind the story, but yeah. it, and it, maybe it'll come out in story. Maybe it's something the two of you do, talked about behind the scenes. So definitely let us know because we love to tell you guys. Uh, I think we're going to try and actually go ahead and start the recap of book one. Uh, just we're going to start out from where we got Shanghai, talk about that a little bit, and just kind of get you guys all caught up to where we're at now. Uh, Wes, you were the puppet behind all of this, so tell us a little bit about the Shanghai. <laughs> I think you mean okay, the puppet gonna, master. I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> puppet master. Oh, no, you heard me right. <laughs> I have the strings. You are all my marionettes. Dance. Dance for me. Yeah, you guys were all picked up in port. I think one of the criticisms that happened as we were recording the podcast is you guys don't want to be pirates. In a lot of ways, mm -hmm. like John Ollie, maybe a little bit was the only one that really came forward and was like, I'm OK with being a pirate. Well, his version of a pirate, which was very clearly not a pirate. Exactly. So there was that. But then at talking as a group, we've decided you guys don't want to be pirates. You were Shanghai. You were hit on the back of a head, forced onto the boat. And now you're becoming pirates on your own. Or our versions of pirates. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Fane wanted to be a pirate until he was, and he right. realized what it really was, and no, that's not at all what he had in mind. He was used to, uh, you know, seeing the best parts of pirate life and plays and, what's, and things like that. They all sing and dance yeah. and get <laughs> along fantastically. They, they don't whip the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, Fane was one of the first people that really kind of branched out and did something on their own and started the con against Narwhal Tate. I mean, that was uh, that was kind of your mastermind oh, there. The hook. The hook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what Ambr Ambrose's hook? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we were just kind of looking for something to draw the players together, the, the characters together, uh, some sort of scheme or you know something like that. And I just had an idea of maybe framing another player using that everybody's specific talents. You know, uh, Kit using her talent, uh, some other people doing this out of the other, keeping watch. It just seemed like a good way to get us together as a team, as characters. So in framing Narwhal Tate, it brought all of us together in a really neat way because it was just us against, against them. Yeah, and um, Fame wanted to hurt Scourge because Scourge, I think, had just... He'd stolen all your money. from Taking my money, whipped me, did like, what, 10 lashes, and knocked me out, all kinds of things. And then leading from the kind of con against Narwhal, it led us into the Owlbear fight with Chad, <laughs> which wasn't much of a fight at all, but that was kind of neat. You know, I think... Uh, they had decided to punish Tam Narwhal Tate, and so after they decided to punish him, they noticed the crew's morale was real low. How do we bring it up? Well, we bring out Owlbear, and it didn't exactly go the way they wanted to, so that was uh, neat. What was your thoughts behind that, Chad? I mean... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Why did you do it that way? I've, yeah. I've been wondering. Well... <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I don't think in any Skull and Shackles campaign ever has there ever been a player that went, oh, I'm not going to fight him. I'll talk him down. Like, that's just that's got to be unique. Well, they specifically said I couldn't use magic. So there's no way I was going to win the fight. Not that Sebastian really had any particular intention of winning the fight. It was partially impulse on Sebastian's part. It was partially the fact that I think it was vastly more humiliating for them, for the officers to have put up this fight... And it just have not been a fight at all, in the slightest. And a little bit of it, I think, was was an attempt to, like you said, talk Albert down and maybe get him over to our side because they'd sort of treated him like dirt near as we could tell the entire time he'd been on the ship. So it was a, it was a combination of things. But a lot of it was impulse. 
I would imagine that uh, Albert is really only on our ship because you befriended him. If that hadn't happened, would he have been left behind on the Wormwood when we took over the Man's Promise? It was the player's choice. Was it? So I was actually kind of curious with that and talking about uh, Narwhal Tate and then also mentioning with Wes talking about the, the characters not wanting to be pirates. There always seems to be... There always seems to be the plan as written and then what the players do. <laughs> does does the AP assume that all of the actual real world players are going to go, OK, we're going to buy in on this and we're going to be pirates? Or is there something in there that's designed to like force your hand and make you into pirates? I or? think the very first paragraph of the AP basically says your players really should buy into being pirates. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's that assumption that you guys want to play pirates. And you got as players, you guys do want to play pirates. Right. But it's your now we're watching the journey of your character going from I don't want to be a pirate or I think pirates are this way and then learning what pirates really are and now becoming pirates in your own right. Okay. It's not that you're not buying into it. Yeah. It's that it's a much longer journey for your characters, which is the interesting part, which I find very very fun. Well, I also think that that's a good thing for listeners to think about when they listen to the first like five or six episodes. They drag on a little bit because we have daily actions, yeah. but none of us are sailors. Like this is the whole thing is they have to remember that we're learning how to run a ship. We're learning how to do this stuff. So even though it keeps progressing, that's really our characters don't know these things. And really the first four or five episodes, the characters as well as the players are learning something completely new. This mm -hmm. is our first yeah. podcast. Mm -hmm. Like we were trying to figure this out. Our characters are trying to figure out being pirates. So as our characters progressed, so did we. Um, I think we've heard a couple of people say that we start really hitting our stride around episodes six and seven. Well, that's about when we all started getting really comfortable talking in front of a mic. So our characters and the players themselves were kind of progressing and learning things as they went along. I think that was also when our characters realized that maybe... Barnabas and Scourge and Plug weren't the end-all be-all. I think that was kind of one of the, I think episode six or seven was when you actually set up the stuff against Tam Narwhal Tate when it's like, okay, we can be our own person on this ship. Yeah. We don't have to conform to what their idea of a pirate was. Not only can we be, but we're probably going to have to be because right. it's definitely going, it's them against everyone else. We need to be a, a group. Yeah. Absolutely. And there needs to be more of us than there are of them when it comes when push comes to shove. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think one of the I, I won't say one of the first big things that happened that really showed how much of a group we became, but one of the first things that really pops out in my mind is the bilge fight. You know, uh, <laughs> oh, when John gets thrown in the bilge, every single one of you do something to try and help him out. Uh, that's really the to me, that's the first time that the group comes together and goes, OK, we have someone in our group that is possibly going to get hurt and we need to get him out of that situation. So that was really cool. I'm really interested in hearing what would you guys have done? If your characters had ended up in the bilge. <laughs> Died. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Kit would have drowned. <laughs> Davery, what do you think, man? Adagoke would have won. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably not wrong. Punch, punch. That's right. Punch until they stop twitching. Yeah. Um, Sebastian, it would have really, really come down to casting defensively and maybe getting a spell off to incapacitate him. A yeah. color spray. Because failing that, he'd have been stabbed to death in a round or two. I mean, yeah. that would have been it. Color spray, Done. sleep, something. I mean, I mean, I would have had to have gotten something off and been lucky enough to incapacitate. Otherwise, dead. And then with sleep, we found out as oh, a full right. round casting. Oh, yeah. So oh, if yeah. you had let off with that. Yeah, right. and you were correct. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I had read sleep as being a full round action in the sense of charge. 
not in the sense that the spell actually goes off at the beginning of the next round. Like a summon spell takes an entire... Yes. Correct. Okay. Right. Yeah, you are absolutely correct. But yeah, Sebastian would be dead. <laughs> what about Fane? Uh, Fane would have laid lips to ass, all kinds of blood, <laughs> all kinds of intimidate, all kinds of begging, uh, charm spells. He would have... He would have basically tried to skill his way out of it sure and hopefully charm one him to his side and whatever i he, <laughs> i probably would have he would have barded the hell out of that <laughs> yeah, situation yeah. i should have put fane down there that would have been a blast <laughs> yeah that would have been fantastic <laughs> <laughs> the biggest problem though was you, you sit down a damn dwarf and a half orc mm-hmm. so the, if it had been fane the only advantage i could think of was being able to see in the dark nope yeah, yep. those two can see in the dark. So I, Brilliant. yeah, I've thought about it like a dozen times since that fight. What I would have done if I was put in that position. Well, no, we Fane. saw what happened to Kit in the villages later. So and that yeah. was just with one person down there. So that's why I'm saying, you know, I just would have drowned. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because later on, Scourge takes you down there. Well, well you I you go to him. yeah, yeah, you go to retrieve him, and he pretty much just throws you under the water and keeps you there until mm-hmm. Adagoke comes and saves you. So you got a really yeah. good point. Uh, out of curiosity, Matt, with Fane. I know that when you're in full sunlight, you have some negatives. If you're in full darkness, do you get some sort of buff? No, it's just bright light dazes me or, da- excuse me, dazzles me. It gives gotcha. me a minus one to attack. It's just I, my, eyes are cu- my eyes are accustomed to darkness, which would be just normal. Sure. So in bright light, it just it's like stepping out in the sun for the first time as, as we do, except it lasts the entire time you're out there. Gotcha. So one question with the bilge fight that I'm really curious about. Would any of you guys try to kill the characters like I did? Because I killed Tam. Um, Sebastian actually, yeah, had he incapacitated both, he would have cut both their throats. Yeah. Because they're a direct threat to his life and livelihood. I'll come up with an excuse for why they're dead after they're dead and not trying to kill me. Oh, I would have taken some kidneys. (laughs) So (laughs) effectively, they would have been dead. I I would have added to my kidney collection, yes. (laughs) Adagoke would have too because it's it's kind of like prison rules. He he would have taken those two out and then gone back to whichever one scourge or plug or whoever it was and just say I'm tougher than anyone you can bring against me. De facto, I'm tougher than you. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fane. I would have had my hands over both their shoulders as buddies as we walked out there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I imagine Fane's the only guy that could walk into a battle and walk out with two best friends. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of like with Ark a little bit later. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so what's really cool is that Fane became the master at arms. Uh, you guys want to talk about that? That's pretty crazy. I, you know, I can't imagine that there are too many adventures like this where one of the player characters becomes master at arms as early as Fane did. I was totally shocked when you took that web torch. I'm like, that was something we were not expecting at the table. The and idea so. of Wes giving the players that much power and what's happening on the ship, I couldn't believe he let us do that. Well, like I said then, I was like, well, that is a hell of a surprise <laughs> round. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew he had to be distracted. And I knew Fane, Fane holds grudges. He doesn't like him. He wanted to put him down in public and draw everybody's eye. And he got yeah. what he wanted. Because this was all taking place during the bilge fight. So you were trying to keep them from keeping me down there, essentially. Right, because yeah. the rest of the party had gone down to help you. And I didn't want any of the other pirates or officers to catch wind. Right. And out of nowhere, you just started attacking them. So that was pretty ballsy <laughs> of Fane. That's awesome. All he was thinking was, I can swim a little bit. Yeah, Wes, <laughs> Wes, how did ship. you feel about that whenever he did that? That, that was a surprise to you, too, because the look on your face was epic. <laughs> I mean, as the GM, you got to sometimes roll with the punches. And that was a big one. I totally did not expect that <laughs> at all. Fane whips Scourge in the middle of the ship, in the middle of uh, John's bilge fight. So I'm having to kind of flip back and forth a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, running those dual fights like that, you know, it's uh, a little tough on the GM, I'd imagine. It's part of the fun. 
To be fair, I mean, thankfully, and, and luckily for Fane, apparently Scourge was the worst pirate ever. So yeah, he was. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, I think we were talking about this earlier. Scourge is only 19 years old when he's on this boat. So he's full of bravado, full of uh, vigor to be in charge. And he's loving being in charge of all these people. Um, unfortunately, the dice saw through that to bravado <laughs> and provided him with a number of ones. That showed just how inadequate of a pirate he really is. That was an epic number of ones you managed to roll over the course of that fight. And I rolled it in front of you guys. You mm-hmm. saw yeah. him. I've yeah. had people ask me, were those real ones? I'm like, yeah, he's rolling this stuff in front of us. And it, it was, was only just, for that character. That was the craziest yeah, part. Yeah. Was any I, other character you rolled Thane, for uh, was different. Scourge. Every yeah. time it was Scourge, one, one, one. I it rolled was crits. I rolled some decent numbers, and then as soon as Scourge came around, one. See, it's so weird to me that he was 19, because I always imagined him as being like this hardened pirate that's like 37, 40-ish, you know. Ah, so he succeeded on his bluff check, didn't (laughs) he? Yeah, absolutely. He did. Well, Sebastian, or my and my assumption was sort of everybody needs a rabid dog. That's true. Keep people in line, everybody needs a rabid dog. And yeah, it's not like Barnabas didn't rule through fear anyway. Right. I so, guess with him being as young as he was, Barnabas is probably like his role model, you know. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a way, probably, right. yeah. They had the same haircut, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> sort of. No. Shiny? <laughs> so, Chad, one of the coolest things that uh, I thought you really did was setting up the shop with all of your magic. Uh, I guess it was one of the nights that we were just all kind of hanging out. Uh, I think Adagoke had an arm wrestling fight and you mm. were doing card tricks or was oh, it? Uh, you were telling, yeah, tarot cards. And that was really neat because you set up some pretty cool story between Kit and Jack Scrimshaw, <laughs> uh, which later on plays a huge role. So yeah. it's yeah. Well, uh, Sebastian is Verizian, which are sort of a traveler type people. Um, and yeah, I'd been carrying those tarot cards the entire time. And, and we were in the middle of trying to to gain allies, and so it was sort of along the lines of uh, more or less spur of the moment, along the lines of. Can I set up a potential situation where we can get this guy really, really on our side? And that's essentially what it was. And, okay, who's the most innocent looking amongst us? (laughs) Oh, it's the gnome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, it it was more or less an attempt to kind of, should something come to pass, Jack finds himself in peril. We can kind of shove Kitnick into the front to as the savior. Suddenly he loves her and he's on our side forever. And ultimately, that's actually what happened yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. It was kind of a testament to the need of our actions, our, our daily actions. Mm-hmm. What we went through for like five or six days, that kind of stuff set up story so oh, much further yeah. down the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. We needed to do those daily actions for multiple reasons. You know, it's it's terrible on a pirate ship, but mm-hmm. also we're making friends. We're making allies. Yeah. And as I understand it, a lot of people do kind of skip the daily actions because they, they're boring. You know, because it is. is. You're I guess it's supposed to emphasize the kind of grind. But for us, it's setting up story and well, relationships. Well, it allowed us to talk to a lot of people. Like, it allowed us to talk to uh, Concha Bar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> but no, I did it. Or you're talking about my buddy Connor, are oh, you? Oh, yeah, that guy. But no, it did. It allows us to actually, when we did our night actions, to talk to people that we wouldn't normally have mm-hmm. any interactions with if we'd skipped that part. Yeah, well, I've actually had yeah. friends tell me that when they are when they ran this Adventure Path, their GM just skipped the whole first mm-hmm. book and landed them like on the island. Hey, you guys were on an island. You're pirates. Go do your thing. And they didn't want to have to do the ship actions and stuff. So the island would have turned out totally different if we hadn't mm-hmm. done Absolutely. what we did. Well, and here's the thing. You know, if we had skipped the ship actions, you know what we would have deprived the world of? 
Wes's Grok voice. Yes, we oh, would have. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So ultimately, world. it was incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would have deprived the world of your Grok voice, Wes, and that is a crime I do not feel we could have committed against humanity. No. How different would Sebastian be if he hadn't spent that night with Grok? That's the real question. Uh, frankly, probably not that different. <laughs> 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 Let's be honest here. Thank God for the fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> I will agree with you there. Uh, so one of the coolest things that we ran into in book one was the man's promise. And that was the ship that eventually we took over, but allowing us to go in and take over that ship kind of the way that we wanted to and having Kit sort of lead the way in. That was awesome. Uh, Valley, tell us a little bit about Kit Nick's revelation there. That was weird because I, I was not expecting to be thrown into the leadership of putting that crew on the other ship. But considering I was the only one who could grapple and climb a rope... We all sucked at that. Yes. That was was brutal. I was really trying to decide how long to let that grapple. Oh, my goodness. That was so terrible. Until one of us drowned because that was where it was going. Right? Did you even actually finally make it to the ship? I think you just made it farthest, didn't you? I made it the furthest. I made it within five feet of the ship whenever we were practicing our grappling. That's right. But still, that still put me in charge of us getting to the other ship. But no, that was when Kit actually started finding, you know, her feet because she was used to people not liking her, not talking to her, wanting nothing to do with her. Now she's got these friends on the ship and, you know, she's starting to get her skills. And, you know, as a a player, I leveled my character up to where I could use things now. And we figured out how to, you know, flank people and stabby, stabby, kidneys, by, you know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was actually rolling well and doing stuff. And so that was a really good turning point for Kit. But yeah, that, that rope use debacle was literally the entire reason that Adagoke was like, I will throw my shield down. I will not wear armor is low. Whatever it takes for me to be able to jump across as opposed to having to climb a freaking Well, that's why rope. I took Rope Master. The next yeah. time I was able to take something, I was like, Rope Master. And we were doing that all on a big bank of fog. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah I really liked for both in and out of character, us getting to see how how real pirates take over a ship in Pathfinder because you don't just use the same tactics that real world pirates would use. You don't have to. You have You have magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we yeah, also so. had to do it differently because we didn't have any ballista on our ship or anything like that. We had to do hand-to-hand combat. We had to go in and we had to eliminate the people. But I thought it was also interesting that our group was not killing anybody unless we absolutely had to. When, you know, Aretta told us, or whoever, I think it was, a, was it Aretta who put me in Riaris Riaris. Friend. Yeah, when Riaris yeah. was like, yeah, kill anyone that gets near the wheel. And we're just like, no. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm guessing from a GM's perspective, if we had killed people... Would the AP have been any different or was it set like, I guess, experience wise and whatnot? Was it if they die or if they kill certain people, they get X amount of experience compared to if they save their lives? Because I feel like there was a captain that Barnabas was really happy we saved instead of just killing oh, off. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Written, written into the AP was that one that wasn't the captain, but it was an officer of the ship was if you killed her, you got X amount of gold. But if you subdued her and just captured her you got double that amount uh, gotcha. yeah didn't uh, barnabas come back from below decks with the captain's heart he did <laughs> so <laughs> yeah definitely not the captain that we yeah. Nope. Yeah. yes no. and then shortly after we caught the the man's promise uh barnabas actually split us up and put us on two separate ships i guess he was going down south somewhere and he wanted us to take it back up to port and that was when plug just decided to say well i'm captain now Yep, and that was when the mutiny happened. He As, chose poorly. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Did he? Yeah, decided to call himself captain over us. That was a uh, yeah. big was no a no. Idea. Yeah, and that was we put quite a bit of planning into that. Um, I think <laughs> previous night 
shenanigans and uh, getting Hashtag everyone on our not side. Hashtag like Captain. <laughs> yeah. 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 There we go. Well, and that was what was a lot of fun with that fight was that Wes really just let us set it up how we wanted it to go. It was it was yeah. more about you guys having fun and letting it play out more like a kind of a caper movie as mm-hmm. what we were styling as. And the way it's written into the AP is they really expect you to mutiny at the end of the book, which is after the bone rack aisle, which is where you guys ended up. Really? Um, but I could really different if that had happened. Oh yeah. yeah. We'd be dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Headed back to the boat and all of a sudden, you know, you had to deal with uh, taking, getting back onto the boat because plug is supposed to, uh, ambush you guys. Okay, so um, that's that's wow. weird to me because it oh, just geez. seems like such a natural point right. when mm-hmm. when Plug says this is my ship now, mm-hmm. and just like like we played out, we're like, oh, this guy hates us. We're out in the middle of nowhere. The players don't know you're about to wreck. Exactly. Well, I'm gonna guess probably it's a way for it, for the AP to force the issue if you've got a very inactive group of players. Um, you know, maybe. ones that are kind of have been sort of along for the ride. This has a point in the AP where the GM can just force the issue. Right. Like you're mutinying or you're going to die. Okay. It's most, I mean, I, if I had to guess. That's pretty accurate. And then I could see wh- which way my players were going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it was going to happen soon, and I, I really didn't want you to die taking over the ship. That's why you guys leveled up to three so early, mm-hmm. um, rather than doing it after the mutiny or after bone rack. I, mean, I knew you guys were going to mutiny then. So you guys hit level three, so that fight was actually an even fight for you guys. Well, it gave me a chance to give a speech. <laughs> it did. Yes, a very rousing yep. speech. And then you guys successfully took over the ship. Yeah, and what I still to this day blows my mind, you guys made me captain. <laughs> what in the world were you thinking? Like, uh, Well, I can tell you what Sebastian was thinking. Sebastian was thinking, you're young, you're naive, everybody likes you, and you're easy to manipulate. Yep. Damn. <laughs> and, wow. And I mean, the reverse there, I'd go, okay, never lied. He thought, well, you're the closest thing we've got to a moral compass. We've got this crew full of terrible human beings with us. <laughs> and if we're going to not devolve into the same barbarism, we're going to need somebody who's going to say, no, that's not right. Well, and it was a terrible timing, too, because that was when John really started kind of taking that dive towards the evil side. I mean, uh-huh. he had killed Tam. <laughs> He kind of kept Jape alive as a bargaining chip. And then, you know, later on, we had Plug and Scourge. We had him tied up and I ended up killing Scourge or I ended up killing Plug. I was wanting to kill Scourge, uh, but you guys sort of stopped me from that. And Valley was really the only character. I mean, Kit just would. Walked off. Kit just walked off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that Adagoke made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying why he made the choice he did. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Fane, did you have any kind of uh, oppositions against John? Or, I mean, were you there with him? How did you feel about the whole thing? Uh, Fane had just been an officer. Right. Um, and he wasn't quite ready to take charge of everything. So he was more than willing to stay at the level he was and keep observing. But I think that, like, actually with Kit's thoughts, it was you of the group, you were the best to serve as a figurehead because you still at least listened to all of us as friends. So it was still we were going to be making decisions that you would listen to versus, yeah. you know, if it had been Fane, he, you know, when he had a grudge, he held it and we knew it, you know, things like that. <laughs> you seem to be a little more open to, OK, let's do this the right way, which is, again, why she was really just butthurt whenever you made the decision to go ahead and kill somebody and then we're going to kill the second person. She's like, Mm-mm, nope. 
Yeah, I think by that point, John had already just figured like, all right, these are all these guys are in on with each other. You know, you if one's alive, then the other's going to try and right. do something bad. Just get rid of them both because he had at that point they had both already tried to kill one of us off several times, mm-hmm. and it's like, all right, let's just be done with these guys, you know. And I thought that was interesting because. Having made me captain, I really assumed you guys would just follow anything that I did. <laughs> and then, like when I saw that you walked off, and you know, some of you guys just kind of expressed your displeasure in it. It really, it was surprising because I think John hit this place where he was like, "Okay, well, what the hell do I do?" Because they don't like when I do this, but they don't like when I don't do this. <laughs> like, how do you handle that? You know, and that's just part of John being an immature kid. Well, that was one of Fane's thought processes. Was I don't really know what to do in these situations. I may not agree with you, but I'm going to follow chain of command. Yeah. There were several times when you want to do something, I'm just, yes, Captain. Yeah, you know, you know I remember you saying that yeah. and just thinking like, well, hey, this guy gets it. Yeah. But not realizing it was like, okay, I report to him, so I'll say yes. Right. And shortly after we got our ship, we kind of ended up, you know, shipwrecked. Uh, it didn't take too long. We only had it for like, what, a day? Not even. Not yeah. even, yeah. Uh, so you clearly see how good of a captain I am. Well, this is what happens when the ship moves at night, Valley. That's hey. right. <laughs> I have no say in that matter. That's why you always put on the parking brake at about sunset. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not using that as a reason. I'm not. No. Ship sail at night. No parking brake. <laughs> you know, this is one of those hardcore rail railroad parts. Is you guys shipwreck on the uh, island? Unfortunately. Chad, as Sebastian, used one of his hero points to keep the ship upright, and I felt really bad about it. Uh, but but that's the way did. it is. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was a decision he made. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. yeah. And still, you guys got reefed, had to uh, get on shore at some point. I think you guys got attacked by some Grindylows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 <sighs> we need to see if we can get the Sirenscape guys to record you doing that. <laughs> the noise. There we go. So the Grindylows attack, and sadly, the way it's written into the AP is there's this pre-attack, which they are supposed to take two people off of the ship, which in this particular case is Sandara and Jack, but I'm an idiot. And during the Grindylow fight where you guys are actually fighting them, I had Sandara casting spells and Jack down below deck with uh, Kitnik trying to repair the ship. Mm-hmm. So there was a third Grindylow attack that you never saw. <laughs> <laughs> Them sneaky, sneaky Grindylows. Right. Uh, so they took those two off and brought them back to their base that you guys found later. But then that forced you guys to get onto the island. Your water barrel was broken. You had to find fresh water. And then you also had to somehow track down Sandara and Jack and deal with all of the things that the island left for you. <laughs> like uh, the ghouls. There were plenty of ghouls uh, with their attack and ghoul fever. Uh, nobody, everybody saved by the end, correct? Almost. With one exception. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk not, about that one later. Not everyone. Not everybody. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there was the ghoul fever. You guys had to deal with frogs and fighting them in quicksand. <laughs> mosquitoes. Uh, another mosquitoes. screw up on my part. Uh, the reason I'm mentioning these is I know some of our listeners have actually read the AP, so they know where I've screwed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there w- the whole area under the pylons was supposed to be quicksand, but I had allowed Fane to just walk all the way out into the middle. You wow. don't screw up. You take right. creative liberty. There we go. <laughs> okay. We'll call it creative. I took the creative liberty yes. to allow Fane to walk out into the middle of the quicksand. And once he was there, I was like, well, I can't make him walk 200 feet or however long it was. And then. What did it change the story? 
it possibly could have because yeah. then the frogs would have been closer for their attack, pulling you guys off the pylon. Jack or John Ollie would not have been able to be in the quicksand to do the grab and the other okay. stuff that he was doing. The tongue grab was so crazy. It would have made it a little more dangerous. <laughs> but it is what it is. It was still a fun fight. You guys still got your frog legs. Yeah. Well, And to your credit, you've mentioned a couple of times where you're like, oh, I made this mistake in the AP and this was supposed to be this way. Like you said, like with the, the Grindylows and mm-hmm. the, I never catch on to nope. that. I don't know if that means no. I'm just the yeah. dumbest player or you're just really good at rolling with punches, man. Yeah. Let's go with the really good part. Can we, can we just go there? Sure. Well, I, it, yeah. that means I'm not the dumbest player. So yeah, I'm right there with you. It's a win-win. Exactly. Credit given when credit's due. Yeah. 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 Cool. And then uh, you guys made your way down on the island, a couple more little things. But uh, the thing that was interesting to me was watching which path you guys decided to take. You didn't attack the crabs. You didn't dive into the golden wheat field. You guys went directly up the path. Why? Because at this point, those two NPCs that were taken were integral parts of our our party. You know, they had become parts of our group. You got to think about Sandara had been with us in a lot of the fights, even when we forgot to put her in rotation. (laughs) And because of what Sebastian had done, you know, Jack was now a part of the group. You know, it was somebody who looked up to Kit, who Kit had kind of taken under her wing because this was now somebody who really liked her, you know. So this is something that they were part of our group. So the PCs actually cared about NPCs? Only those yes. NPCs. Don't screw that up. No, if it had been somebody else. <laughs> yeah, if it had been like <laughs> Badger or <laughs> Slippery oh, Side. I would have been like <laughs> hanging out with that with that weed going, can I turn this into beer? Like, yeah, like, I mean, I'll take a few weeks to go ahead and ferment this stuff. But, there would have been yeah, like it was, a crab roast on the beach, yeah, you know. But, but yeah, that that made a huge difference. Yeah, they we were, were very goal oriented at that point. Because yeah, they we had were, to have our healer. We had to have our friends. Yeah, so they it, were legitimately it, our friends, and so we were like, okay, where's the highest point in this island where we can see our friends? That's the highest point. That's where we're going. Come on, yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Does the AP say to use Sandara and Jack Scrimshaw, or did you decide that because you realized that we had made connection with these characters? The writer for the AP had Sandara definitely has to go, and then you get to pick one other one. It could be an enemy. And then if you were to save the enemy, then they were supposed to allow you to know that the uh, mutiny or the ambush was going to happen when you guys get back to the beach. But you guys had already mutinied, so that was not going to be an effective path whatsoever. And you guys had made the connection with Jack, so obviously Jack was going to go. Um, unfortunately, that was a very sad, sad choice on my part in the end. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it makes a good story. Great story. I'll never let go. <laughs> you don't let him on the door. <laughs> if only Aretta could have been there to be bait. <laughs> I think part of the reason that we went straight to it also was there was a serious sense of urgency. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like we felt like we needed to go right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you did absolutely. Mm-hmm. You should. You needed to get there so that the the whale didn't eat them. Right. Yeah. We had no time to side quest. Right. <laughs> that's that's cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And even after the fight, when we head back to the ship, it was like by that point, none of it mattered because we had lost party members. Yeah. And there was better things to do than just go and lollygagging around on this damn island. So. Yeah. And we had four hit points. <laughs> so we were, it was also yeah. that. If I had tripped, I would have died. We were yeah. pretty tuckered out. Yeah. Well, and speaking of tuckered out, it was only because of that freaking fight that we had between the devilfish, the queen and the whale. I mean, that was almost total TPK crazy fight several times. times. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. intense. I remember re-listening to the episode after we had edited it and knowing what happened the whole time I'm listening to it. I'm like, all right, come on guys. Come on guys. Like it was just, it was crazy that that fight, 
it could have gone so bad for us so freaking quick. And it was just as much of a a heart pounding thing here at the table. Because we knew we didn't know what was happening. Like every time we rolled, we found out if we were going to live or die. And so there was a lot of tension. Adagoke was constantly pulling you out of the fire when we first <laughs> went into the devil. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in the fight with, you know, the queen and the whale and everything. Honestly, can you think if Sebastian had any other options, would he have taken his dagger in his teeth and gotten into <laughs> melee combat? Right. Never. It was pretty <laughs> intense. Right. You know. I actually had a friend uh, who listens to the show but doesn't know anybody else in the podcast say he could actually hear uh, Davery breathing heavy over halfway through the fight because things were going so badly. Yeah. Like when it was his turn to act, he was, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, that, Lord, that I'm about of, to die. Yeah, oh, like I'm about that. to make a new character. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he was saying that he was just tense the whole time. Like the tension in the, the fight was just palpable. I was about sweating by the end in yeah. real life by the end of that yeah. fight. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't want to learn five new characters. That's for sure. <laughs> the five characters that were secretly, you know, stashed away on the other side of the island. Right. <laughs> no, we would With have our, done. We would have done what that GM you mentioned earlier done. Suddenly, you're pirates. You're you've got a ship. What do you do now? Right. Right. Oh, man. Uh, so I guess we really need to talk about kind of one of the bigger things that happened: Jack Scrimshaw dying, but also John dying. Um, you know, yeah. John's death. Uh, we used hero points to bring him back. Um, I don't think any of us were necessarily go- expecting to go into a fight and, and die like we did. Um, and when we did die, Wes gave us the option, you know, hey, you've got two hero points. That's all it takes is to bring it back. And it's kind of something I've been wanting to talk to you guys about. You know, initially I did bring John back with my hero points. But after I did it, I think I immediately told Wes, I'm like, God, I hate that we're using hero points. Like, I wish that we hadn't, I wish I hadn't had them. It just seemed like such a good storyline for John to die then. Like, it was kind of an easy way to end his arc. And maybe that's just me going, well, I don't know how I want to continue playing John or what it may be. But it was a really pivotal point for his storyline. And I'm really happy that I brought him back and did what we did with him. Um, But I'm kind of curious what you guys feel like now that we've been using hero points for 25 episodes you still like them? Do you not like them? Personally, from my perspective, I I kind of don't. I'm not a fan of them. Well, I know I use them probably, and, and uh, as you can see with the old episodes, like, I gotta go get burns through them way faster than anyone else because I look at them almost like the uh, the Bennies from Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. Like, I just burn those things constantly because I feel like it helps in the moment. It helps kind of like spur story. Yeah. yeah so I think that. that stuff's great. It's kind of like adrenaline for your character. Yeah. If there's one of these moments, like, you know, I think you've mentioned when we talked before, it's the baby under the car moment. You know, all of a sudden you have this extra strength that you wouldn't find elsewise. So I think that it's it's a good way to go ahead and have a physical way for that to manifest mm-hmm. with a reason behind it. So that's that's more or less my feeling with it. It's it's the this is a really pivotal moment and I can do something really cool. That's not necessarily in the rules as written. Right. Right. Yeah. Outside of in the rules is written for hero points, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a choice. The player has a choice. You don't mm-hmm. have to do it. You yeah. know, if you feel your character's arc is done, don't spend the two hero points. Yeah. yeah. That's perfectly valid, you know, yeah. but if you don't feel your character's arc is done and you feel that there's a, something really cool you can do. And legitimate that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Spend the hero points. Yeah. I big mean. cinema moments. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess it's sort of like what you mentioned off air with the whole uh, Indiana Jones. Oh. <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones falls off the side of the cliff and then miraculously comes back, you know, and I guess there's two sides to every story. Like it, it made really good story, in my opinion, to have him come back. But then there is as a player, there's a part of me that's like, man, John died. And I guess realistically, John did die. 
The John we knew died. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'd use hero points for a resurrection. It would have to be a very, very good reason. You know, well, again, I guess it'd be the arc idea, but if it was a great time for that, again, the Indiana Jones thing, if it worked really well, I might do it. But I think if, uh, if Fane dies and he's got two hero points, it, it's probably going to let him just die. Yeah. Probably. I think it's probably what I like best about hero points is they are a personal thing. Mm-hmm is as a player, you can choose how they fit you the best. So it's not something that you have to mandate, okay, well, we're going to use this for this, or, you know, it, it allows us to have a lot more freedom as a player to play the character that you want. Speaking yeah. of hero points, man, I think we used like 30 during that combat. <laughs> clink, clink, clink. That last yeah. fight. Yeah, and you know what? Oh, and man. I found these coins just before we recorded that episode. So hearing... <laughs> That sound every yeah. time somebody yeah. spins them, love like it. it. Yep. So Wes, as a GM, now that you've now that you've had to deal with the headache of five players throwing hero points <laughs> at you constantly, what do you think of them? Are you regretting the inclusion of them? Are you thinking not? Positive? I don't totally regret it. <laughs> uh, I kind of, and sadly, I'm going to have to straddle the fence on this one because I agree with a little bit of Adam. It feels like you're cheesing the mechanics if you die. It takes away if you have those two points sitting there. It takes away that fear of death, but when you're using them for extra attacks and extra movement and they're constantly going back and forth, they're a lot of fun. They open up options and abilities for you and they are some really good story points. So what you're saying is we should use them a lot. So you should give them back to us a lot. That's, so we <laughs> you know, uh, this is one of the things I talk to you guys about. Uh, definitely the way I feel is if uh, the character is like, I think this is heroic. I'm probably not going to give it to you. But if another character or another player says, I think he deserves a hero point, then we can... Definitely consider that. Everyone take notes. <laughs> yeah, start promoting each other. Make each other sound heroic. And well, there we go. So just to kind of transition into this heroic talk you're talking about, to me, Adagoke was always one of John's heroes to some extent. And to see him turn into a freaking ghoul, man, like, was what was that ghoul. about? It was worse than a ghoul. <sighs> like, I, that was the most unexpected thing I think that's happened to me for the entire book one. I just didn't expect to lose any of us like that. Mm-hmm. And so for you to wake me up, in the middle of the night and then you know we get all these people together and all of a sudden it's Adagoke that's been you know eaten on the crew like yeah was, I did not expect that at all yeah it was written into the AP Adagoke dies there's a line in the it's book right there <laughs> yeah yeah you can just check it it's honestly there especially after the fact that we got through the damn island we're back on the ship we're relaxed we're you know we think everything's alright mm-hmm. and this rude awakening yeah, yeah. literally yeah. <laughs> well I know I on, I obviously wanted to to change to a different character, but one of the things I liked about it, and one of the reasons Wes and I talked about it off behind the scenes, was I really like like a lot of those shows that a lot of TV shows are not scared to do now. Anyone could die at any time. Yeah, it's always dangerous. There's never a point where you're in the shackles and you're like, oh no, everything's happy fun land here. It's always deadly. And so I like the idea of yeah, Adagoke dies when you think everything's fine. You're like, oh, we've gotten off the island. We've leveled up. We're at the end of book one. It's like, no, it's still deadly. Just a little curious. When did you make the decision? Like, it was a surprise to us as players, I think. I mean, we had no idea that what was going on. It's totally Wes's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is. But because the the fight with the the queen and the whale and everything else, it was so incredibly deadly that I started making up a different character (laughs) because I was like, oh, I'm going to die underwater and on this stinking (laughs) island. So I need to make another character. And then I made that character and I was like, yeah, I kind of really like this. (laughs) Well, the amazing thing was you you literally failed your save, which dropped your hit points below zero in the middle of the night. 
Right. Like, yeah. Because I, I had planned to do a little Sebastian style sleight of hand if I had rolled it and made it. And then I legitimately rolled a two. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. died right in front of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was so funny to me, though, like I had already designed Ark and me and Wes had already talked about putting him in place. And then you all of a sudden are dying and I'm sitting there going, OK, well, I'm Ark and no one else knows I'm Ark, but you're dying. So who the hell are you? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, we all thought that, that, that Avery, you were going to be Ark. Like, that's yeah, what all yeah. of us thought. So there, there are a lot of what <laughs> moments in yeah. those last two episodes. Pretty much. And I loved every single one of them. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Right. And and going behind the scenes of knowing that I'm not Ark, I was just like, oh, okay, well, when that character pops up on the beach, I'm like, oh, I guess there's some sort of weird storyline that's going to involve Rickety Hates yeah. and this angry Olfin. Okay, <laughs> I'll just roll with it. Well, and as Sebastian, my immediate thought was, given some of his backstory by having come from up north, it's like, I don't know, what is Wes about to do to me? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably one of my favorite things about this group playing is that we always have stuff that throws us off and our re- our reactions are very organic mm-hmm. because we don't expect it. Like all the stuff about our backstories, none of us knew each other's backstories ahead of time. We're mm-hmm. still finding out stuff about each other's characters. So I really like that because it means that all these moments where I go, oh my goodness, or ah, or when we do end an episode, we're like, oh, you suck, Wes. It's all real. We're not making this up. Those are our yeah, you feelings. Truly do suck, yeah, Wes really does suck. <laughs> I agree. I'm right there with you guys. I also think I suck. So. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, we don't really script any of this out. So yeah, a lot of the, the it's like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one thing about Adagoke is it was a little ham fisted, uh, him turning into a ghast. Um, we obviously wanted that storyline to happen. I understand that a ghast does not come back with brawler abilities. We kind of hand waved a little bit of it because I had hoped, I had prayed that Adagoke <laughs> would get off the ship. And I could bring back this ghast brawler later. Mm. I could just <laughs> envision this undead ghast tracking you guys down three books later. And this big boss fight happens with a previous character. And I was totally in love with it. And then instead, he dies. I think it was a good ending for him, though, because I mean, we tried saving him. Some of our characters tried mm-hmm. saving him, you know. I know that John was like asking Sandara, is there anything we can do? Can mm-hmm. we bring him back? You know, so it was a very noble way for him to go out. He was turned back into a person afterwards, at least, you know, and given a burial, like a proper Absolutely. burial. Yeah. And Sandara so. had some amazing things to say about Adagoke <laughs> in the final moments. <laughs> it was very touching. I was <laughs> going to just mention the fact that the way he died was through positive energy. So, yeah. you know. Drawing the ghast out of him was a good way to how you role play that after after you died you'd turn around and said thank you, you know? yeah that was yeah, uh, that was good that was like that was a sad moment I think yeah. for all of us even as char- like not just characters but players like yeah. I know it's funny we've grown attached to our characters there have been times when I've been at the bar at like with Wes and and. Davery and Valley and Chad waiting on Matt to show up. And I'm like, guys, where's Fane? You know, like, yes, it's just, that happened. characters are just, to some extent links of us. It's well, kind of uh, neat. Given that earlier someone called me Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. uh, it's, it's amazing. And so I guess it's going to be somewhat difficult or hard for you all with uh, Adagoke and John being gone. I mean, Davery and I are both playing new characters. So that introduces a whole new mix to the podcast. It's going to be very different for you all, I would imagine. But at the same time, you guys are really good character actors as far as, you know, We've got voices, we've got attitudes, we've got different ways that you speak. So, I mean, that's going to be very simple because I know just when, I don't know what the goblin character's name is yet, (laughs) but like when it showed up, 
that was definitely not Edigoke. <laughs> and we knew this, you know. Although I was so. I did make the joke to everyone because I bought that Hero Forge miniature for Edigoke that I was like, y'all about uh-huh. to see Bidigoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially given the time I spent painting that sucker. Right? Yeah. I was like, after all that money I dropped on that thing, that game's getting used. Right? But yeah, I think that that's one of the things is it's our characters are their own entities at this point. Mm-hmm. Like John, Edigoke are their own people. They're They're not, you know... You guys, they're, yeah. they're their own people now. Right. So, Davey, you decided after the fight to do the Adagoke thing? And, and when did you, uh, Adam, decide to switch over? Uh, the night that John died, I immediately had the idea of this is the end of for John. Okay. So uh, Wes really did kill our characters that night. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. okay. I remember thinking, like, we... Uh, I brought him back with the hero points and I think immediately after everybody left, I was like, okay, this is what John is going to see or this is what I would like for him to see. I Ultimately, I wanted John to become an evil character. I did not know the route to get him to become an evil character. I knew it would take some time, but with his death like, death like that, it's an immediate change. When he came back, something in his brain was completely different. He was rewired and now his main priority is no longer you all. His main priority was going after his mother, and he wanted to go after her and have her killed off because, once again, he's an immature kid. He sees his problem as his past. If he can kill his past, then it's no longer a problem. It's a wonderful life. Yeah, and and so for me, this was the perfect moment to do it. His main objective is no longer being a pirate, is no longer being your all's captain. It is doing what he wants to do, which is go after his past. So I don't have to kill your characters necessarily. I just have to kill your will to play them. <laughs> <laughs> it's much more insidious that way. <laughs> but I think that that has got us caught up to the end of book one. All Ooh. entailed. Mm-hmm. Rickety Hakes. Yep. We'll start out our new adventures beginning at Rickety Hakes. I want to give a big shout out to all of the listeners out there that have been shooting us emails, replying on Reddit, sending us Facebook posts. We absolutely love it, guys. Like, Thank you. I get emails once a week from people going, hey, we run Skull and Shackles, and this is how we did things compared to you all. And from players, from GMs, I think it's so cool because ultimately this game's different for everybody. So keep doing it. Keep sending us emails. Keep sending us Facebook posts and Reddit posts and Twitter. I mean, we absolutely love it, guys. So we want to give a big shout out to you. We're going to let you know that next time we do this, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, few months, we're going to have a huge AMA on Reddit. You guys can come there and ask us any questions you'd like. So hopefully we'll be able to answer them as long as we don't give out too many spoilers. And with that, get excited for book two of Skull and Shackles, season two of the Called Shot podcast. Raiders of the Lost Sea. Oh, cool. I hope that's right. It is now. (laughs) That's our name for it. (laughs) Raiders of the Fever Sea. That was close. coming to life as a character because you know as a character she was very reserved and quiet she'd never had friends she really was used to people just not liking her because of who she was and so at this point she starts you know again taking kidneys you know rolling well it's actually when the character started getting her abilities and for some odd reason she was put in charge of this group to get onto the other ship because of her grappling and rope abilities who's all as well if you don't mind will we ever see Grindy Loves again thank you Valley. Thank you. Fuck, I hope not. We Fuck may not, but guys. you'll hear them and you'll really start to cry. <laughs> Off on the horizon, you hear the cry.
Oh my! Oh Jesus! All right. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Why did you suddenly go all uh, Peter Lorre? He went That's goblin. exactly who I'm basing yeah. my character off. He went goblin. Oh yeah. great! Just what we need. I'm excited now. <laughs> Me too. Are we recording? Creepy fucker. <laughs> Cannot wait. Uh, Andrew tried so hard to get me to do that sound effect one day when I saw him. He was like, come on, do it. It's like, mm-mm. Need to invest in non-crinkly water bottles. Yep. <laughs> May want to just take your top off and leave it off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, wait a minute. If you insist. <laughs> get your singles your out for people. me. <laughs> the top of your water bottle. <laughs> Davery's like, I'm going to need a lot of hero points. <laughs> <laughs> if I get uh, Davery to take off the off the shirt, yeah, you can have a hero point. <laughs> My scarf couples the nerves. <laughs> <laughs> a little chilly in here. <laughs>